I was surprised that um, at the beginning of this movie, Jean-Claude Van Damme's name what didn't appear twice in the credits. <laughs> I, I really did think when his name appeared, they were going to be like, Jean-Claude Van Damme. Jean-Claude Van Damme. <laughs> did you check the trailer? Because that's, that's sort of the, like the trailer thing would be to be like, Jean-Claude Van Damme. And... John claude Van Damme in... The trailer, the trailer 100% does that. Okay. But for some reason, I didn't think the movie would have enough restraint to not do that. And to my surprise, someone humbled up and uh, decided against doing putting his name up there twice. But I had no idea that this early in his career, he was already writing his movies. Uh, is, is, is that really true <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah i guess i mean he has a producer and writer credit on this with sheldon okay, do you think that yeah. just means that he's like i think my character he would be like get out of here like is yeah, that why he I has mean, a writer credit I, I think that 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 is the case because like sheldon Lettich had written blood sport and uh maybe also Lionheart or, or Kickboxer. So I like think he wrote and directed Lionheart. So yeah, I think that they probably worked well enough together that Van Damme was comfortable with him. And, you know, I mean, I, I don't, it's, it's not like he's a writer in the sense that like Sylvester Stallone is, you know, like where Sylvester Stallone really writes his own screenplays. Like, I think you're right, Chris, where you said that he, you know, it, it's sort of like a dialogue thing or something like that. Or he just but wants I, to have these meetings with the, you know, with the writers where he can be like, no, I'm gotta be real cool. I want you to make sure I <laughs> do something really cool here. Jean-Claude Van Damme. He always makes an impact. Now, get ready for double impact. There's two of them. Think about it. Van Damme times two. He looks exactly like you. Me? Twin brothers reunited on a mission. Watch my back. To avenge their parents' death. One packs a punch. One packs a piece. Look good to me. Together, they deliver. Double impact. Do you think, like, do you think Van Damme has a signature set grunt? I feel like all of the action stars, with the exception of Steven Seagal, have like a signature of of this time have a signature grunt sound, like. Stallone kind of started it with sort of like, Ugh. oh my god, and then I know I'm sorry I'm doing. You're gonna do all I'm of these trying, now, please? No, but like I mean to illustrate the point, I'm really I'm trying to do like very subdued impressions, so mm. it doesn't sound like I'm actually trying to do impressions, because that would be embarrassing. But like you, everyone knows Schwarzenegger's grunt, right? He's got a famous grunt. But then Van Damme actually, it's the first time I've really noticed it in this because he really amps it up a little bit, which is like the <laughs> over. And over and over again throughout throughout the movie. It seems like think, he was trying to establish a signature grunt. I think so. I mean, I, I think that he started in that sort of post-Bruce Lee thing, like of exactly. the more scream-like thing, like in Bloodsport, the very slow-mo, open mouth, you know, like, I, I'm not even going to try to do it because it, it's, <laughs> it's embarrassing. Um, I know it's embarrassing. You don't have me, to point it out. For me, that it, for someone like me. For um, me too. <laughs> Look, we're all embarrassed. Okay, I think that's the important part. 
So for yeah, me. I don't know that if there's one that I associate with him, like a, a particular sound. There's like yeah. gestures and stuff, but not, you know, like the wink. The wink is his thing. On that note, we are talking about action stars of the late 80s because uh-huh. uh, in this episode of 30 Years Later, we're talking about uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme and Jean-Claude Van Damme in uh, Double Impact, where he plays identical twins separated at birth, brought together again to fight, kind of fight crime. Um and we're uh, extremely lucky, Chris and I. Say hi, Chris. I didn't introduce yeah, you. Yeah, hi. Hi, everybody. Hey, it's me, Chris Chapin. Yeah, hi. Did you feel, were you feeling left out that I didn't introduce you? Were you worried that I was going to miss it? You know, Ricky, I'm just along for the ride, brother. You know, and I was just excited to see where we were going. And I wasn't thinking about myself or my ego at all, you know? That's that's bullshit. <laughs> uh, but we neither of us should think about our ego because we are joined. Uh, we're very lucky to be joined by film programmer based in New York and uh, a writer with bylines at movie. And uh, one of my favorite series on movies right now that's over at Screen Slate. It's called Outskirts. Uh, Christina Cacioppo. Thank you so much for being here, Christina. Hi, thanks for having me. Christina, uh, I asked you to come on for this movie specifically because... In your outskirts column, you write that you are just as much of a fan of Varda as you are as uh, as you are of Van Dam. And so, uh, I guess the first question is, why did you choose Van Dam in that description over any other action star? How did your love of Van Dam come about? Well, I think for one thing, I like the alliteration of Varda and Van Dam. It's a beautiful. <laughs> I have to say, I, I really appreciate it on that level. Um, I do. <laughs> Um, well, actually, you know, it's funny. I, it took me a minute to remember this when you asked me to do this, but I actually have right next to me a double impact poster, which you may be uh, interested to know only says John Claude Van Damme's name once on. Mm. Um, it, well, at the top, it says double Van Damme, and then it says John Claude Van Damme double impact. Um, so uh, I guess you do sort of get the double Van Damme. So yeah, I, I, <laughs> I'm a big fan of Van Damme, you know, like definitely my favorite action star is Sylvester Stallone, but I also consider him more of an artiste. So, uh, you know, I I think if we're just talking sort of pure action movie star, Van Damme is sort of the one for me. Um, Do you consider, do you consider Sylvester Stallone more of an artiste? Because, you know, like we were saying, he really does write his movies. He really does direct them. And they also sort of uh, oftentimes um, represent a very sort of clear, though uh, warped point of view? Yeah, I think that his movies are pretty personal. Like if you if you start with Paradise Alley, the first movie that Stallone wrote and directed, it's a very different movie uh, than, than some of his action movies. It's very thoughtful. And, you know, I think that if that movie were more successful, we might have seen a different Stallone career. Uh, my favorite sort of like tidbit about it is that Leos Carax, who was writing for Calle du Cinema at the time, gave uh, Paradise Alley a really good review. But it's sort of like, is I mean, do you guys know this movie? Have you seen it? No, I haven't I've seen actually, it. No. I've heard people talk about it a bunch, but I've actually never seen it. I love it. I think it's really beautiful. And it, you know, like while it does, it's it basically like, sort of like Rocky if it was set in the 1940s and like in like the world of underground wrestling or something like that. Um, but it's just, it's so way does, more. Does he also star in it? Is he also oh, of course. Yeah. Oh, uh, right, his, yeah. uh, Armando Sante plays his brother and he has another brother who I'm not sure who the actor is in that. 
but yeah, it's it's a really thoughtful movie. And yeah, I, I have always sort of considered Stallone, uh, you know, a sort of auteur. <laughs> um, I mean, he has an artist. He's he very, a... very maligned and and not taken seriously. Yes. But what is it about Van Damme that makes him number two? Uh, you know, I feel like he's the kind of performer that even though people, you know, wanted to razz him for his acting skills, like nobody could do that with their body, do do the things that he yeah. does, and that and that that's like really important for cinema and movies is is to have is to be able to look at somebody who can move that way like who cares if he you know can't get a line of dialogue out sometimes like that's just sort of part of his persona but the way that he moves is is just like very fun to watch and you know i think i also appreciate um his earnestness like he has a certain earnestness about him um that that i like in in his the way that he performs too so you would take van damme over arnold i probably would and i mean it might also be because i you know i do like a lot of hong kong movies a lot and i feel like van damme sort of ends up working with a lot of hong kong directors or even like a movie like double impact which is set in hong kong and to be honest should have been directed by a a hong kong director well yeah Yeah, i was gonna say can i even double impact feels very Hong Kong influence. This is one of my big things I wanted to say about the movie is that it's it feels such like a Hong Kong action movie. It's it's literally set in Hong Kong, and it this is from the time when all these Hong Kong action directors were active. Like, why is it directed not? Why is it not directed by a Hong Kong director? I mean, I guess it's because of this contract that Jean Claude Van Damme had with Sheldon Littich, right, or something. Maybe I mean maybe it was also just like a year too soon before the the Hong Kong directors started to kind of infiltrate. You know. Yeah, and it's yeah, so I mean, weird because it's ninety one, and Hard Target was what like ninety four, ninety three. So yeah, and and I I could be wrong, but I've always thought of as uh, I've always thought of Hard Target as kind of the first of the infiltration in, in a way because Wu was all, the most famous of the Hong Kong directors. Yeah, I think you're right. I don't even know that Choi Hark had anything before uh, he did because I mean even. Uh, double team is later mm-hmm. um so yeah i think you're right and that that was basically just a, a couple years later but there's no way these guys like sheldon and van damme weren't sort of most likely steeped in hong yeah. kong action movie culture for them to have made this movie yeah like, the movie was released on august 9th 1991 its budget was 15 million 15 to 16 million and it made thirty million at the box office. Was that kind of? Uh, I don't know if anybody knows, and maybe I should have done my research, and I'll cut <laughs> this question, and no one knows. But was that kind of par the course for for these movies? Sort of the expected, sort of like double your money on on these movies? Because I think one of the things that we should talk about is that like movies like this are not made anymore or at the very least for movie theaters or for wide audiences they're you know straight to video and they're they have even smaller budgets and they look much 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 worse uh most often but um just movies like this that it's kind of like a thrown together plot for the purposes of having one guy do an action shtick which you know we had four guys five guys doing that at this time and then you had like the B, C, D level movies where there were a few kind of uh, stars of, 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 of that tier of movies doing those. But it just doesn't really exist anymore outside of the C level movies where Bruce Willis does a two minute cameo and makes $4 million. 
is there a, a market for movies like this a- anymore it does, outside of straight to video? And didn't these kind of become straight to video by like 97? Yeah. I mean, this is why I wonder how much of it has to do with having a person like Van Damme, like, like who's out there that, that could do right. stunts, you know, I mean, we, we have Tom Cruise doing a certain insane kind of stunt, but somebody whose body sort of functions in a certain way, like, you know, that, that would kind of be the catalyst for the, this kind of movie. Like, you know, I, I watched some of the director video stuff with like Scott Adkins and stuff like that. And I think he's pretty good. I, I think he sort of lacks a certain something to make him bigger than, than he is. But um, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, like what action movies now, it's like, you know, you have the, the Fast and Furious series that, that's popular. So that has more to do with like car chase stuff than like actual sort of body, you know, fighting type stuff. I, I'm hoping that it's something that has a resurgence like one day, but, uh, you know, for me, there's always a place for stuff like this. It's, it's my favorite thing to watch. <laughs> it's, I, I always hope for a resurgence too, where it feels like, I mean, you know, these characters are cardboard cutouts and blah, blah, blah. You could criticize it for that. But at the very least, there does feel feel to be they don't feel superhuman like the fast and furious guys do and the way that john wick even does but at the same time those john wick and the fast and furious do feel like a natural evolution from a movie like this as much as this felt like a natural evolution from what would be considered an action movie in the 70s and then in the 80s so it's like how do you then go back to to something when you've already given audiences you know the evolution of something even bigger and grander and topped it again and again mm-hmm. yeah that's would true. they be would they even be interested in like you know some semi-decent hand-to-hand combat that's <laughs> not you know like a 25 minute ballet choreographed by like you know the the greatest dancers and fight choreographers money can yeah. buy mm-hmm. i mean i guess this is what like the born identity was supposed to be right like this is why everybody liked that movie is because it was just back to like a bunch of like crazy punching and like punching people in the throat was a big part of the movie. You know, that was supposed to be kind of a return to this kind of, this kind of thing. Yeah. Um, And then, you know, like the raid movies come along and, and that sort of like has its own thing. Yeah. 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 I mean, there certainly are things like this kind of, but it is, this is more in the vein of like, it's almost like a, like a Jackie Chan movie almost like it's kind of in that realm. Like, there's always one of the Jean-Claude Van Damme is, is always sneaking up to a bunch of people with machine guns who are on like video game NPC patrols around a factory. And he's like silently killing all of them with his legs, which is, I mean, it's really fun to watch. I, I felt like. But even in a Jackie Chan movie or like a John Wick movie now, like, you know, a one-on-one fight scene would be, would have, would be seven minutes and have, 6,000 punches and kicks. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Whereas like with this, you know, the major fight scene with Bolo Young, which is a return to, that's how you say his name, right? Am I, am I mistaken that Bolo Young from, from Bloodsport, who's also in this? I think so. Uh, yeah. Who was also in Enter the Dragon, right? In Enter the Dragon and he's in Bloodsport. Yeah. Um, that fight scene, which is like clearly a huge deal. They're bringing the villain back from Bloodsport and and it's not really the most like over the top choreographed fight they just kind of kick and push each other a few times until one of them gets electrocuted (laughs) (laughs) it's wonderful but like i can't imagine like a modern audience today 
being excited for that. Like I can imagine an audience who loves nostalgia and loves remembers watching this, getting into it. But like, you know, a modern audience would be like, what, 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 what happened? Yeah, what, where's all the fighting? Yeah, um, man. So the, so the plot of the, of a uh, double dragon, um, Twins separated at birth because uh, well, so here's is if I can interrupt okay, here, ahead, please, guys. Ricky. Like, so this is one of the, my over, first please. things. Yes. Okay. Hi, everybody. Nice to talk to everybody. Um, this is one of the, my first issues with the movie, and I would love to hear your thoughts on this, Christina. I I had a, I had not seen the movie before. I had read the description of that the Jean Claude Van Damme was separated at birth from himself. <laughs> and Ricky, you have already said it twice. They were separated at birth. In fact, they are not separated at birth. They are separated at the gala opening of a tunnel, which is the first gigantic action sequence in this movie. And then for kind of vague reasons, they are taken in different directions. But I, I was actually really impressed that they bothered having this much of a setup for the idea that, they were separated at birth. Like they felt a kind of like they had to explain it. You know what I mean? So, and they use it as an opportunity for this action sequence, but like everything about this blew my mind and really surprised and delighted me. Like from the fact that it set up the whole MacGuffin of the movie as being like, they own a tunnel, I guess, which I didn't understand. Or like, this is the motivating plot device of the entire film. It's supposed to be that they have to get their tunnel back. Um, and then the, it's this weird sort of British Hong Kong James Bondy action sequence with fancy cars. Like it was very unlike any other Jean-Claude Van Damme movie that I have seen. And of course, Jean-Claude Van Damme does not appear in this section of the film. Oh, but that I, opening with Jeffrey Lewis with the sort of rear projection on the cars is so hilarious. It's so and, weird. And the fact that like they it's supposed to be 25 years prior to when the movie actually takes place. So Jeffrey Lewis and the guy who who ends up being the villain in the latter half of the movie, who's in that early scene, they're wearing a ton of makeup to try yes, to look twenty five years younger. Like, you know. So, but they so they look like they're actually wearing like rubber, like <laughs> like like almost like rubber like drive style the end of drive mm -hmm. style masks that like they can barely talk through. Especially Jeffrey Lewis when he's in the car oh and he's God. like, "Stay right there." He looks like. He he almost looks like Tim uh, Robinson in the in the re, in the Carl Havoc sketch, you know, like the only thing Ricky can think about lately. This, I don't even want to be around anymore. But like his 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 face looks like it can barely move under the the cake the pounds of caked makeup that are on his face to apparently make him look younger. I also yeah, think I it's just, weird. So you know, it's it. So that scene is 10 minutes so we have 10 minutes before we get to van damme and it, it sort of feels i mean this is why you know my main sort of criticism of this movie is how long it feel is and feels like i feel like it could have been so much tighter and like i i don't i don't know i feel like you're going to the movies to see this van damme movie and you have like this this opening sort of thing that i don't know it just like it, it I, like, I guess why is it in the movie? I just want, like, yeah, I just want to jump right into the Van Damme. You know, I don't want this, this whole setup. This framing device. Like, do we really yeah. need this? It did very much feel like the sort of thing somebody at some point in the process would have been like, look, let's just let's just get to the Van Damme's. You know, it'll yeah, work I don't better know. that way. You know, I don't know. I'm in a hard disagreement with both of you. The opening is almost my favorite part of the movie. <laughs> really? It's, yeah. I mean, I know it's not Van Damme, but like it's 
there are two twins in the backseat of a car that is getting shot oh to God, shit machine by, gun. By, by machine guns. That is so much fun. Oh and and then when Jeffrey oh, and Lewis, all these people get murdered so brutally. The mother, she's like yes. begging, and she gets shot yeah. with a shotgun in the face. Yeah. Like it's Bolo really. Young, Bolo Young walks up to her with a twelve gauge shotgun while she's laying on the ground, and she's like, "Please don't." And he says, "Like." Shut up, bitch. You know, here's then, what happens is she goes, What about what's gonna happen to my children? And he goes, You'll never know. <laughs> and shoots her point blank with a shotgun. It's so oh brutal. And then Jeffrey Lewis like kind of shoots a few of them, but there's still a bunch left. And he grabs one baby and just kind of like goes into the backyard and like that's apparently him getting away. <laughs> it's like a shot of him just kind of creeping off camera into a bush and it's like, oh he got away. And then the um the maid or the 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 nanny brings the child to a convent where for some reason, you know, she leaves no note, but for some reason, 30 years later, 25 years later, the kid, the baby still has the same name that he was born with. Like the nuns just sort of instinctively knew that the also, baby's name was my, Alex. My favorite thing about this part of the movie, Ricky, is because they have a whole explanation for why the other Van Damme has a French accent. And I was like, well, why does the, why does this Van Damme have a fucking French accent? And then I remember that you hear for a split second, the children at the orphanage singing Frere Jaca. So oh, that is the, I missed that. Cause I, that yeah, is why he I is do, French. Cause like, yeah, m- you know, most Van Damme movies do try to explain. It's like, you know, hard target he's cajun in sudden death he's canadian but i i missed that part because I, I, yes. I, I heard the throwaway of oh you've been raised in france or whatever and i just thought yes. alex was trying to affect some different kind of accent <laughs> my my favorite part of blood sport is that it doesn't explain at all yeah i don't think and he's in a he's a member of the arm american armed forces <laughs> yeah and they never no one ever says like yeah. well but he was this and then this and then that and then there's that child that they overdub to have like a weird accent to sort of kind of sound like it's Van Damme. And he's like such a great, it's such a great dub. But um, Christina, you were talking about getting to Van Damme. Like when we finally get to Van Damme, I think this may be my favorite part of the movie is the introduction. <laughs> it's so fantastic. Please. If you would like to describe this scene, I really love it. So, lot. you know, this also is sort of what my favorite like thing about the movie is. And maybe the thing that I think is the most nineties are the colors you get these really yes, bold yeah. colors and like pastels. And so you have, you know, Van Damme uh, teaching these, these women to like, you know, stretch or do exercises. And, and you, you know, he's wearing these like really tight leotard. Uh, he does his like famous split. Uh, and yeah, it's just, it, it, it's, it's just, and like they're so, all drooling over him. They're yeah, all they're like, drooling over him. And which also, you know, the one thing I remember, this was like come up several times. Uh, I've, I read it in an interview with him, uh, that it was like a profile from like people magazine or something from way back where he talks about how he likes to have a little hiney for the ladies in his movies. <laughs> um, so I think that, that this scene is, is sort of like that on display. And then basically he gets kind of swept into uh, filling in to teach this karate class where like, you know, people are acting like tough guys, but all the karate geese are, are also pink. <laughs> so- <laughs> it's really, this guy is acting like Jean-Claude Van Damme is like the girliest person he's ever seen while he's wearing pink pajamas. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And I think I feel like when he goes into that karate class, it's definitely one of Van Damme's uh, like pages, some of the pages that he wrote. Right. Like I go in and there's a jerk and I have to beat him up. 
And then he's like, what are you, a little girl? Do. And I'm like, little girl, can a little girl do this? <laughs> I, guess I, they, that... I, I really loved, I felt like that was his whole persona. And I actually thought it was, so as dumb, as dumb as the plot of this movie is, obviously that he's playing these two different versions of himself. I do think it's interesting that one of them is supposed to be like kind of a himbo and like a, yeah. like a big doofus. <laughs> and um, that that is the one he introduces first in the movie. I found myself feeling like this was the one he identified with the most. Oh, I and think that the so. other one was his like persona, you know, that's like the tough guy. That's, that's who Jean-Claude Van Damme has to be on screen, but really at heart, he's this like hot ass idiot who like, likes fancy shirts and, you know, silk underwear, clothes. silk like- underwear. <laughs> I don't wear black silk underwear. <laughs> oh, like this guy with his black silk underwear. <laughs> so the, what was it? Was a joke that was done twice, yeah, maybe yeah, even three it. times, and it kept like by the second or third time it happened, we we're like, "What is with this movie's obsession with black silk underwear? Where did that come from?" Ricky, there's this thing in screenwriting where your characters want to have specifics, so they have this one, and I really like to bring it up. <laughs> I'm just upset. I don't think we get to see the silk underwear, you know, so that that's sort of the problem. I, I feel like they should have at least shown it to us. Yeah, that's true. At the very least in the imaginary sex scene, there should have been like, he should have pulled off the black silk underwear. It's true. And this is where like, these are the parts that I think that Van Damme wrote, like everything that's like kind of a gross boner joke. Or, or like something that's going like, like even when, you know, when he first meets the, the, you know, Alex's girlfriend, whose name I don't remember. Uh, and she's like unbuckling his pants and he's like, keep going, which is like really gross. But like, it, I feel like that's him being like, yeah, he has to say, keep going. And then, um, oh, and he says, there'll, there'll be a huge surprise. That was, that's also part of that, that whole exchange. Um, <laughs> like there was a line already written there and he's like, that's not what I would say. I would say, keep going. There'll be a huge surprise for you. Like, uh, and what, like, what do you mean? What do you mean exactly by that? Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't answer. Like, oh, you got it. okay. Yeah, yeah. And then there's also when he's first sort of eating, like eating some food in Hong Kong, and and he's kind of hesitant, and they're like, "Come on!" And he, and he says, "What's it supposed to do? Make my dick bigger?" <laughs> like, I feel like that's that's a total Van Dammer right there. I feel like Double Impact is one of the first of the, and I and I could be missing, I could be missing a movie here, but like post Bloodsport, they tried to make a couple sort of serious Van Damme action movies, and Double Impact was the first one to kind of tap into the accidental humor of Bloodsport. Like Bloodsport is so perfect because it's a hilarious movie that is is not taking itself seriously but it, it also doesn't know that a lot of it is funny and double impact seemed to be like the first time that's like oh let's do something funny with van damme and let's try to keep this movie light and entertaining i think that's also the jackie chan legacy too you know yeah. right another the jackie Chan thing i think this movie has is that like i did genuinely enjoy this movie and i think it's good and i but i think it's so close to being like actually a good movie but it has this thing where each scene is pretty good but they doesn't necessarily relate to anything that happened before or afterwards you know what i mean and you're not really sure what's happening a lot of the time or why i mean except in like very broad terms but the like a lot of the you know the physical comedy and the like the the punching and kicking is done really well. And even some of the like jokes are not bad, but I definitely found myself always thinking like, wait, who is what now? Like, why is this happening? Like, 
Um, yeah, I'm not going to, I mean, I'm not ashamed to admit it. I was fairly lost numerous times during this movie. I think that's also what makes it like a Hong Kong movie because like, yep. and that, I'm always fine with that. Like, it's like, I don't, I don't need to know exactly what the through line is here as long as I, I'm enjoying what I'm watching. Yeah. Like for instance, in the same scene towards the beginning of this movie, the two Jean-Claude Van Dams learn of each other's existence, find out that they're twins Learn that they own a tunnel, but that somebody stole it from them and then agree to work together to get their tunnel back. And the scene is maybe three or four minutes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And then the scene that you had mentioned before, like the sort of like when Alex is imagining that Chad and the girlfriend are getting it on, like that goes on for so long and there's not really any reason for it, except like, I feel like that it's just like Van Damme is doing like his like method acting where he like is like like swigs a bunch of alcohol and like blows it through his nose or something. Yes. <laughs> yes. I was, I was waiting to get to it, but like, oh. let's just, let's just talk about this scene, which is that, but the, the heart, the harder brother um, is like imagining the, the other brother fucking his girlfriend. And he's just pound. He's just like chugging whiskey and he's spitting. And at one point he's so mad, he blows an angry snot rocket. <laughs> But like, you're right, Christine. It was like it was like somehow the whiskey he was shooting it out of his nose. Which, oh my god, oh it's my so god, gross. It's so gross. It's so <laughs> disgusting. And also the psychosexual undertones of having a jealous fantasy of your twin. I know. Your exact I mean, that's the thing. Twin. It's like it's like he's like playing out the whole fantasy in his head. You know. It's so <laughs> yes, strange. He's also he's so also strange. not like he's also not imagining. Like a sort of typical jealous fantasy, you know, which would be like, romantic. Yeah, yeah. He's imagining like a soft core romantic porno <laughs> scene. Like I read when my course of my research, I can't verif- vouch for the source necessarily, but I read a story that Oliver Stone was meeting with Jean Claude Van Damme about being in some later movie in the early two thousands, and he said his favorite part of this movie was the fantasy sex sequence. That's <laughs> that checks out. I mean, I it's actually kind of beautiful like like all this sort of wind blowing and the lights and i mean that's also my you know my favorite thing about this movie is the look of it like i i oh yeah i it could be like a silent film and if it just sort of looked the way it was and framed the way it was and had the color filters and and even just the colors in hong kong the colors of people's outfits yeah like i i'd be happy (laughs) yeah there's a lot of beautiful neon in this in this movie like sort of like bright blues and pinks and greens that are like floating in the background and like flash up against the yeah, character, like, the back like of the character's head. It's like an A24 movie or something. You know? Yeah, really. <laughs> it's like an A24 movie. Yeah. Um, and that sex scene that like, uh, that imagine I'm, I'm not surprised that Oliver Stone likes that sex scene because he's a madman. <laughs> he's an absolute madman. And uh, that sex scene goes on forever and you're kind of like, okay, we get it. He's jealous. The movie's like, yeah. no, you don't know how jealous he is. um i i really i you know a minute ago we were talking about how uh the plot's kind of hard to follow and i feel like that was just a few minutes to kind of say to anybody who's listening to this if you're (laughs) curious what the plot of double impact is you're just like not gonna get it today (laughs) yeah because i can't really i can't really detail it and at I mean, a certain am point I, correct? You... I, I, I believe the plot is the two of them rightfully own a tunnel but someone <laughs> has stolen their tunnel 
<laughs> and therefore, and they want to get the tunnel back. I think that is yeah, the plot. I missed plot. that. I missed the whole tunnel thing. I, I, I don't remember like... a tunnel. Yes, that's what the whole opening is, is they're at the opening <laughs> of this tunnel. And then the um, their mentor character keeps saying, like, they stole it from you. It's yours. <laughs> and he's... He's talking oh, about yeah. the tunnel is what he's talking about. Okay, okay, very briefly, and I'll probably cut this out of the, po- the podcast, but in 1966, <laughs> business partners Paul Wagner and Nigel Griffith opened the Hong Kong Victoria Harbor Tunnel. Paul <laughs> attends with his wife and their infant sons, Chad and Alex. After the celebration, a shootout ensues. Paul is killed, blah, blah, blah. May leaves Hong Kong. Chad and Frank are running a successful martial arts dojo. And uh, next, up, Frank tells them that they are brothers and they need to join together to take down Griffith and get the part. They're part of the royalties of the tunnel. Exactly. Exactly. So wait. So why has this guy waited all these? Like, why does this become the time when they have to do this? Like, the guy, you know, whisked him away. And is it like, okay, you're 30 years old now. It's time to like go, you know. <laughs> no, I think he's. Fi- I think he's just finally found yeah. Alex. Oh, okay. Because that yes. long. Okay. Yeah, because when he's in the dojo, there's like someone in there showing him pictures of Alex, and he's like, unbelievable, it's him. Oh, okay, okay. I, I and missed, then he is, to his that. credit, they are on a plane to Hong Kong, like the next scene. Like he does not waste any time. <laughs> yeah, and then and then the the plot on Wikipedia, like once you get that out of the way, it's kind of like watching the movie where it's just sort of like some thugs kidnap and beat up Chad. Alex takes Chad and Frank to an abandoned hotel. Unable to find Alex Frank, they go out gathering wood. Like, it's just a series of scenes without any connection or plot. Yeah, it's just, at a certain point, because the whole thing of it is it's two Jean-Claude Van Dams, right? So obviously you have to do this, like, split-screen parent trap technology. And this movie is, like, uniquely bad at it, I would Mm -hmm. say. I would Mm -hmm. say the effects of this movie are extremely terrible. Yeah, there's lots of glow glow rings around uh, people's heads. Yeah, like, completely different different lighting situations or just like looking you're like you're standing in front of a projection kind of a thing you know (laughs) very weird but so at a certain point the movie just becomes the two twins are each on their own separate adventures and they kind of intersect theoretically you know Mm -hmm. but yeah it does become strange at that point because you're like is it really important that they're twins i just feel like i'm watching (laughs) jean-claude van damme two jean-claude van damme movies at the same time you know yeah and then they both get different sort of uh cool bad guys to fight in the end but alex gets the guy with the 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 sort of the boot spur right Mm -hmm. who's like slitting throats with his boot spur who kind of just becomes a cool bad guy in like the last 10 minutes yeah in like Mm -hmm. one scene you know whereas chun li is introduced chun li is his name in the in blood sport or chung li but uh uh bolo young is introduced in the first scene of the movie Right. Yeah. I just, I just felt bad for Alex that he didn't get a better bad guy. (laughs) But that fight scene is cool, right? In like the sort of black and white shadows. It's very impressionistic, right? Is what you would say about it, right? It's very just like filmed in front of a curtain. And they're all good settings, you know, for the fights and stuff. Like when they're going, even just like jumping through all the those boats and stuff. Like, like Hong Kong definitely serves well as far as settings go. Jumping through the boats is great. I really like that sequence. I love that scene. I like that a lot. Um, and then the Chung Lee fight scene where he gets electrocuted, I thought was really cool. Like Sheldon Ledich is using like a bunch of different frame rates in the middle of the fight scene. Like he's going from slow motion to sort of like a, a strobe frame rate over and over again before the end of the fight. I just thought that was kind of cool. I haven't really seen anybody 
do that at that time. I guess it's probably like a Hong Kong uh, influence uh, as well. I wonder if they were, if, if that's something that came from those movies. It sounds like it would have, yeah. And yeah. we haven't even mentioned that there is a, a great boat chase in the movie, which is oh, also yeah. extremely Hong Kong. And my wife mm-hmm. did point out there are cars on the boat. So technically it is also a car chase. <laughs> my favorite part of that, that boat chase scene is suddenly there's one wide shot with both boats in them. And it's just a little too long and you can see how slow the boats are actually. <laughs> exactly, <moving. yes. laughs> They're like barges, you know? Yes. Um, and then at the end of the movie in the big, in the, in the, in the big final uh, action sequence, there's like, you know, they're on a, what are they on there? They're on like a barge then or a dock, right? Or are they just like in a factory? They're, they're at like the land part rig? of a dock, I think yeah, is what they yeah. are. Yeah. Like where there's and the they, big cranes that unload the ships, like that shit. And like the first half of the climax has happened where they're like, you know, there's been explosions and fights and gunshots. And then they run out of the area where that's happening, but they're still in the same, broadly the same area. And all of the workers are still sort of working and driving forklifts around <laughs> in the background. But there's been like multiple explosions on this dock. Um, well, you got to get the job done, Ricky. I mean, when it, when it gets right down to you, you got to get the job done. Yeah. Uh, and what uh, what else? I've got more notes to, to go through, but I'm jumping around a lot. Does anybody have anything specific that they want to uh, yeah. talk about before we move to our questions? Well, I would say that, um, I mean, Christina, as somebody who is a fan of this movie and John claude Van Damme, I mean, I didn't mean to steamroll through this conversation. I would love to hear your point of view on on the movie's like use of this, you know, split screen technology, like the way that it does the twins stuff. Like, what, what are your thoughts on this? I don't think there's really much to say beyond what you said <laughs> already. Like, it, it is it is pretty cheap and silly looking. Uh, And I think even more so because I have seen this movie on film, like on the big screen. So you really see those flaws when you see it. So like people (laughs) who were seeing this in the theater were really seeing those flaws. Um, And I don't I mean, I feel like it's it's definitely not my favorite of the Van Damme movies. I don't know if it's anyone's favorite, you know. (laughs) What's your favorite? Oh, Hard Target, of course. No doubt. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just like. It's John Woo. It's just, it's completely perfect <laughs> in every yeah. single way. I've never, I've actually never seen Sudden Death. Is Sudden Death any oh worth my God. it? Yeah, I think that might be my second favorite. Really? Um, it just has some of the, the craziest. Um, <laughs> so he's supposed to be uh, like a former firefighter who's fallen from grace uh, and now is like like a sort of fire security guy at this hockey stadium. So there's a great scene where he's fighting like the Pittsburgh Penguins mascot, like somebody dressed as the mascot. Two fight scenes in like this big industrial kitchen. Uh, oh, nice, and and there's nice. there's this whole thing where he basically he's taking his his kids to the game to sit in the you know in the crowd while he works. And you know that he sort of is kind of a letdown of a dad, like you know he's he's separated from their mother. Uh, Powers Booth is the villain. Um, so it, and it is like a diehard setup kind of movie, um, sort of hostage situation. But there's this whole buildup to where at one point, I don't even know how they get there, but somehow uh, Van Damme ends up in the goalie gear and ends up being the goalie and and stopping a hockey puck and and the way he signals to his children, there's like a thing earlier where they're talking about like doing I love you in sign language. 
So after he sort stops his hockey puck, he like turns to his kids and does the "I love you," so they know it's him. You know, under under that mask. It's just like, <laughs> that's awesome. It's like the greatest reveal, and then it, it really has a, a, a really great climax too. It's a lot of fun, and then and then even like double team, which is like incredibly oh, yeah. silly, and knockoff too, which is also which is also Choi Hark. Knockoff, I think, is is doesn't come up often, but it's very good. Even though um, Rob Schneider is, is like the, the sort of like uh, buddy in it. Um, it's a, it, it also takes place in Hong Kong. It has a lot of really funny, crazy stuff going on. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess Double Impact. It, it's a movie that has grown on me. I've, I've ended up watching it multiple times uh, and, and it does grow on me. And I, I think because of just like sort of the visual stuff, like the double, you know, dealing with the, the, the split screen thing stuff aside, like there just really is so much to, that's fun to look at in this movie. And fun set pieces, you know? It's just like, I, I just like don't need to hear a line of dialogue, you know? <laughs> like, I don't want that part. Jeffrey Lewis, though, when it comes to dialogue, is is, is pretty fun in the movie. And then he has a he gets tortured with steam. <laughs> yes, that's very weird. They have a fire hose full of steam that they're shooting him with, which I think w- either wouldn't hurt or like you're literally your skin would be falling off. So <laughs> they seem to kind of be taking a middle road in the movie. Or your pores yeah. would be clearing up, actually. That might, right. Or it would be, be actually nice very cool. Yeah. yeah, it would be very cool to do. Yeah, exactly. I'm yep. always I'm always surprised with movies at this time of like the kind of um, it's not mistakes, but the the sort of things that you could get away with in action sequences that you would just not be able to get away with in a in like a a, a released in movie theater movies uh, movie at this time. You know, like there are so many moments where Van Damme like jumps on the ground and then rolls and shoots for seemingly no reason or like shoots and while rolling and the person he's shooting then like shows up a beat too late in the editing. And I just feel like you, like any movie that goes into the theaters on a technical level is like, um, is almost like it's all experts at this point, and you just like wouldn't get a movie released in in, in movie theaters where that would where be it's edited like, like 85 kind of like, percent done, basically. Like yeah, like it would be. I would. I don't want to say edited poorly, but at the very least, it's not. There isn't the kind of um, baseline professionalism, I guess. And I don't. It sounds pejorative when I say it, but I, I really don't mean it that way because I enjoy watching it. But you know it. it there's something that is in this that still feels kind of handmade. I guess. I don't. I don't know that anyone was expecting you to or anyone to watch this so closely, Ricky. So <laughs> I think no. that's the thing. You you have studied this movie very very closely. I, I'm I'm not drinking this week. So yeah. <laughs> no, I'm so sorry. Oh, no. So my was like very sober eyes while watching Double Impact and loving it. Um. So we at the end of uh, our episodes, we ask uh, three questions. And um, the first question that we ask is, what was your favorite part of the movie? Christina, what was your favorite part of the movie? I think I'm going to agree with Oliver Stone and say that the the uh, <laughs> sort of like imagining the this, this sex scene uh, is just like, I love the way it looks. Like I, I love the, the, the windblown sort of lighting and all, all of that. And just like, like how hard Van Damme tries to go and and as as Alex with like his behaviors and punching walls and things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The extent to which he's trying to make two different characters sometimes. <laughs> yeah, with different haircuts. Yeah. 
Different haircuts, yeah. <laughs> different hairstyles, not even different haircuts, yeah. Right. I think I might have to go even like more uh, minutia on that one and say specifically the snot rocket, which is my favorite part <laughs> of the movie. Because I just don't think I've ever seen anyone in a movie blow a snot rocket <laughs> in anger. Like rarely, rarely does a character blow a snot rocket because it's almost like too disgusting to have a character, a person, a lead character do. But he... He does it in anger, and I've just yes. never, I've, As I've an never seen him of do his that. inner turmoil. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It seems like you, you know, you would think that even in the very early days of capturing things on film, that like you know, Muy Bridge or something would have wanted to capture somebody blowing a snot rocket. So it took that long. <laughs> it took that long to get there in, in cinema. Just as an anatomical curiosity, yeah, you would sure. think. <laughs> They should have shot this the snot coming into at the lens, you know. It should have been like a, a you know the train coming into the station, but oh Van Damme's God, yeah. snot coming into the lens. Chris, what's uh, your favorite part? Yeah, for me, I mean, this is could also be my most '90s thing, but I, I as much as you guys were talking about like the neon color palette of the movie, which I do agree with, this movie also has this really fantastic like khaki Hong Kong '90s color palette. A lot of the time, this kind of like hong kong drab aesthetic that i'm really into and i really like it you see it a lot in movies from the time period or like animes from that time period um and just the way that it's kind of like you know shooting in hong kong i guess it's kind of like hazy dusky washed out like i love that whole deal and i you know i thought that was really fun uh christina what is uh what was the most 90s thing about this movie for you we asked that question because you know, our podcast is called 30 Years Later, and uh, we happen to start it in 2020. So if we do the podcast for 10 years, everything will be about the 90s. My favorite, or the, the most 90s thing, are uh, Chad's salmon-colored short shorts. Oh, yes. fantastic. Fantastic <laughs> stuff. Yeah, yeah, I loved that. I loved all of Chad's outfits. And in fact, Chad at one point says, let's go shopping. <laughs> and I, I love it. I love Chad. Is Chad supposed to be like, no, because he thinks about sleeping with the girlfriend, right? Yeah, he I mean, starts thinking about soft. it when he's on the yeah, boat. Yeah, like he, it's on, he's not supposed to be, like, he's just supposed to be kind of the more femme of the twins. Yeah. He's like pampered because right. he grew up in America, I guess, is the <laughs> idea. <laughs> Even though it is funny because they have, he's the one that was raised by gruff Uncle Joe, but he's the one that's like the fop who's an idiot. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> Uncle Joe spends the whole movie getting along better with the other one who he, you know, theoretically met like two days ago, you know? Yeah. And I think um, there's an element of the 90s aspect of this movie because it's 91 like the last Van Damme movie that we watched, which was in 1990, there's still a lot of sort of like leftover 80s style yeah, and colors sure. yeah. in it. It doesn't feel like the 90s have really hit just yet. Yeah. Like especially the spandex and the, uh, the like at the when we first meet Van Damme. Yeah, I mean, I feel that way, like when it comes to breaking things down by decades, like the 80s really started in like 83, <laughs> You know, yeah, and yeah. like the '90s probably started in '93, uh, as far as like what we consider that the aesthetic of the '90s. There are things that like peek through occasionally. We have them on the show, but yeah, by and large, at this, especially I think too, having to be set in Hong Kong and all this stuff, like it just it it does feel very late '80s to me. I totally agree. Well, um, the things that usually peek through are the ones that were like you know, in the '90s, a movie could be a hit for like five years. 
So like, you know, you watch something like Home Alone, it came out in 1990, but it feels like it existed throughout the entire decade Mm -hmm. of the 90s. And even though it is kind of feels like an 80s movie in certain ways, it was just dominated the culture of the entire decade (laughs) that it just is 90s culture. Yeah. Yeah, it's very weird. Um, um, Chris, for what me, was the most 90s thing? Yeah, what, for, what about you? Chris? Yeah, I mean, we were talking about this a minute ago, um, but I did like the way that it, <laughs> like, just all the fun, a lot of the big action set pieces were in your classic action movie locations, like a construction site, the docks, like just sort of vague darkness. <laughs> and there was just a lot of like people things, walking. Things that like, Things that like a set production team could kind of like yeah, half exactly. put together so you could like, blow up without worrying about it. Somebody walking by a big stack of boxes holding a machine gun <laughs> with like one very bright light pointed at them, you know, while Jean-Claude Van Damme crept through the shadows up to them. It's just very like er kind of action movie stuff for me. And it's like, that's how I used to play with my like G.I. Joes was like, this is the, <laughs> these are the settings that my G.I. Joes were in all the time. And it's just very, very of a certain time i think they put a tiny bit more care into this stuff now i always think about that with horror movies i think specifically with like the nightmare on elm street movies which is like i know that he was killed in a boiler room but a boiler room ended up meaning like so many different types of like what ended up looking like factories or like something in those movies in the in the climaxes of them like somehow characters ended up in like these massive boiler rooms that were like the size of an entire school shooting out of pipes (laughs) and, you know, like big dials that are in the red and, you know, yeah. And it just felt like, Oh, this is a location that we can get easily (laughs) or make ourselves. (laughs) It's just a big empty fucking warehouse room. Like nobody cares. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think for me, the most nineties thing is the opening sequence, which the shootout with the way that it uses slow motion and the squibs feels like, the kind of John Woo stuff that you start seeing in, in Hollywood movies in the nineties that I don't really feel like American movies were doing that much of in the eighties. Mm-hmm. Um, I could be, you know, I, I could be wrong in saying that, but I can't think of anything off the top of my head. And it seems like the nineties became more of the kind of like desperado. And even, you know, I guess you could not necessarily reservoir dogs. He never really went slow motion, but like, you start to just sort of see the like slow motion squib sort of kitschy peck and paw style violence that like Hong Kong was doing first in the Mm eighties. Yeah. And then the last question that we ask uh, Christina is, you know, it has been 30 years since this movie came out. So, you know, what do you think, you know, we've grown out of that this movie does? I think those like boner comedy lines that get thrown in there. Um, that's that's for sure. And then also we haven't talked about the the female henchman that's in this movie who's sort of like a, you know, well-built as in muscular woman. Right. And I think that there is some kind of throwaway line of her like hitting on the girlfriend. By by throwaway line, do you mean straight up sexual assault? <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> there, there, there you go. Yeah. She was like a real bodybuilder, I think. Isn't that right? Um, I mean, I don't think you dabble in it for your one role in the. In oh, yeah, the <laughs> double in <impact. laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, I was just trying to remember some fact I read. I wanted to say she's like she's like a Ms. Something, but I don't remember what Ms. she was. For better or worse, do we not have that though? Like, I I, I don't know. Like, oftentimes when we talk when this when this uh, question comes up, it's like. 
it's usually like unchecked sexism or racism, right. racism in movies because it was just so prevalent um, at that time now too. But at that time specifically, it felt really unself-aware. Um, but there are certain things in action movies like this that are unself-aware that you wish more big Hollywood movies wouldn't have to be self-aware about in, in, in some respects, it makes it more fun. And for me, like, you know, having the henchman be this bodybuilding woman who, you know, is possibly gay. And that's clearly only coming from the minds of like dunderheads that are kind of like, Oh, because she's like uh, muscular, she's gay too. And she would assault this woman. There is something kind of freeing and fun about watching that in a big, stupid movie. I mean, do we get it a little bit like because, you know, with Ronda Rousey and I mean, I know I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, it's been some years since she's been in stuff, but she was sort of popping up, you know, I feel like sometimes in that role. Right. She had that's true. In one of the Fast and Furious movies, she 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 popped up and I think she was kind of like a female henchman and who was going after Michelle Rodriguez. Yeah, I think I think. No, you're right. You're both right. It's true. Oh, okay. Um, but I think the problem with Ronda Rousey is like she got her ass beat too many times. Got her ass beat too many times, and she wasn't good at acting. If you had one or the other, she could have gotten through. But with both bad, it what didn't didn't really. Pan That's out. true. Yeah, and her ba- her badness at acting wasn't like because she like you know Van Damme like you said can't get a line out, but he has a certain charisma and presence. Right. And Rousey was just kind of like, oh, what are you doing on screen? What are you doing here? Get off! Yeah, what screen. is happening? It was like, disappointing weird fad that it was like it turned out i was like oh yeah like this just feels really empty please it doesn't feel like there's anything there please go please get off the screen i'm sad oh Um, god yeah chris what about you what do you think we've grown out of well i mean i would be interested to hear your take on this christina too because i think this is not necessarily for the good that we've grown out of this but it is interesting that a we were talking about, I mean, we talked a lot about the fantasy sex sequence and it does have some nudity in it, in it, right? Some pretty substantial nudity. And it is like in, in a movie of this type, this doesn't happen anymore. Like you definitely do not get nudity. This whole like very sexual kind of component of the movie, I think doesn't really exist in movies like this anymore every, for whatever reason. Um, and I think that's kind of weird because of like how sexuality is a main part of being alive. Um, but it is like, it used to be a big part of a movie like this. Half the promise of a movie like this was that there would be some kind of sex scene. But yeah. at some point over the last 20 years, 30 years, that has completely disappeared. I mean, I have really mixed feelings about it because like, I definitely am like, you know, in favor of that being a part of it. But I mean, a, a, you know, a good case in point here is that, like, I none of us remember the, this woman's name and this, you know, this woman's character name in this movie, you know? Yes, that's true. So yeah. I think, like, part of the problem is that, you know, it's it's kind of, it, it, the one thing that, that bothers me in action movies is how you have these sort of throwaway love interests. And, like, I wish a lot of times that there could be something more interesting done, you know? And I mm-hmm. think maybe that's happening a bit and maybe as a byproduct like it's just harder to get actresses who just like want to show themselves which i totally get right of course but you know like i mean as a fan of like erotic thrillers and like you know all things like 80s movies and sleazy stuff you know i i definitely do sort of miss having that that sort of like you know salacious element (laughs) in movies it is weird. You, and I think it says interesting thing. I mean, I, you know, it says positive and negative things about how society has changed in the last 30 years, I think. you know. Do you have any like hard time? Um, I don't know, sort of like 
bringing those two sides of yourself together when when it when it comes to liking like erotic thrillers and 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 sleazy movies like for instance you know we were talking i think before we even started recording about bully and one of the anecdotes that's in that's in bully is one of the young actresses who was underage at the time was like put under a blanket naked and just before they called action they pulled the blanket away from her so that she was naked on camera and she talks about how horrifying that was yet I feel like you can sense that the set is kind of an unsafe place oh, yeah. while watching the movie <laughs> yes, 100%, and that is yes, yeah. and that is kind of like what is so visceral yeah. about that piece of art like I so I have a hard and I think the same thing goes sometimes for like even like Paul Verhoeven movies like Showgirls is an amazing piece of art. There's no fucking way that was a safe set. Yeah. Um, it's and tough. So like, I, yeah. I think, you know, it's worth talking about because like, obviously you can't deny when you have a response to a movie and you think a movie is good. It, it's hard to sort of discard, you know, and just be like, oh, well, because it was an unpleasant set, you know, this movie shouldn't exist. Like it kind of already exists in the world. It would be nice if going forward, these things didn't happen right. anymore. Like if we yeah. just can kind of can consider these things all in the past and, and horrible sort of like, you know, you know, products of their time, but, but not have to lose the movies, you know, it's hard. It's, oh. it's a hard conversation to have. Yeah. I mean, I in no way ad- am advocating for losing the movies. No fucking way. <laughs> they are a product of a period of yeah. time. And like, you know, that, that period of time should not should not be lost but i you know i don't know it's and and i'm in no way advocating that you know art has to be made that way going going forward but there is a feeling sometimes when you're watching like strip to kill or something where it's like oh you know i'm sure this was not a, a fun place for a lot of people <laughs> well strip to kill was directed by a woman not that that means yes. that it was better Sorry. <laughs> a better environment yes not maybe but... not maybe not strip to kill that was just like the first title and like poster that that came yeah. to mind but i knew as soon as it came out of my mouth christina you were gonna be like that's the one directed by a woman <laughs> but i mean I, but i think it's worth mentioning it does not mean that 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 cachet like was you know mindful i mean she may have been but um you know i mean there are also other examples of like i one erotic well it's not i wouldn't even call it erotic thriller but a movie i watched recently called lady beware uh which stars diane lane and uh was directed by this woman karen arthur who did a really great movie called the mafu cage uh you know was taken away from her and they basically like just sort of play this like naked diane lane scene on repeat you know, and, and like, I think Karen Arthur was just like very vocal about like being really unhappy that that's what they turned the movie into. So even when you do have, you know, a, a woman in charge, like it could still sort of like somehow be twisted around. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that, that we agree that it's like, let's, let's stop doing these things now that we're talking about them, but let's still keep these movies. We can talk about how horrible these situations were for these people, but we're not going to lose the movies. Or how do we keep the movie safe but still horny? <laughs> <laughs> safe well, but, but horny. R- well, Ricky's actually running now, for the president yeah. of the WTA. There's a talk That's now his... about like intimacy directors or something like that, which like like maybe doesn't sound fun, but maybe is a necessary part of of having these as part of productions. You know, you know those like like, right. like the, the the intimacy consultants. Those yeah. those people. Yeah. Well, Adrian Lin's got his erotic thriller coming out with Ben Affleck and Anna Diarmas, so we'll see if uh, he's able to sort of reinvigorate the genre again. I don't want to see Ben Affleck fucking. I'm sorry. 
because you know if you're watching him fucking he you can see in his eyes that he's just thinking about how he looks while fucking right like <laughs> like i've never seen ben affleck on camera with the exception of some of his early roles where i didn't feel like i could see in his eyes him thinking about how he looked on camera in that moment it's just, that's how i always i mean i feel like if we're gonna get into making erotic thrillers again can we finally have some like sexy attractive men in these roles you know yes like no, you put up with yeah. michael no, it, douglas like I was just gonna say, it's gonna be it, it will be michael douglas forever it, it we will, will be michael ha- douglas we will, yeah right. we will hologram michael douglas into sleeping with 28 year old women for erotic thrillers for the for the rest of time it's margot robbie and ray romano in this. <laughs> <laughs> oh lord <laughs> I'm now imagining Ray Romano, like not even in the erotic scenes, but playing the parts, playing the scenes where he's supposed to be like figuring out what Margot Robbie, the femme fatale is up to. Yeah. Right. He's like investigating the crime. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I I would, I would actually pay money for Ray Romano for a video of Ray Romano doing any of Michael Douglas's lines from (laughs) basic instinct. Is he on cameo? We got to make it happen. You know, I I was, I was kind of already talking about it earlier and, and it's sort of an obvious answer which is that you know we've just grown out of this sort of sole action star who can kind of carry a movie on the weight of his like fight scenes versus like extreme acrobatic choreography and and special effects like i just keanu reeves is maybe the closest thing we have to that now with the wick movies but those wick movies are it's not really keanu reeves carrying them he's like maybe 40 percent of it the other 60 percent is the choreography and yeah. and this and and the action uh whereas van damme i do think it was probably like more of a i'm just pulling these numbers out of my ass like an idiot but i think it was more of like a 60 <laughs> oh i thought you had a survey down. somewhere ricky you didn't get you didn't send these movies to a lab and get a, <laughs> an analysis of them but i mean you know you're there to watch the action scenes but you also like van damme a lot Right. And I mean, I guess the same can be said for Keanu, but the action sequences in the Wick movies are just so over the top. You're going to see what crazy thing the movie has come up with now, like a jackass movie almost. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think even even the people that do sort of have like the the body and and, like the agility, like Tony Jaw, like Tony Jaw shows up in a movie for like 15 minutes and like that's it these days. Like I feel like (laughs) all this direct action stuff I've watched recently, like you just get like like maybe a couple of like good Tony Jaws set pieces, but it's not like the movie's not centered around him. Right, have like you seen any? Come... Oh, no, no, go ahead, Chris. Sorry. No, please, please. Oh, I was just going to ask, have you seen any good direct to action uh, or direct to video movies, uh, action movies that people should check out, Christina? There's a movie called Paradox that was from like a few years ago. Um, Paradox? Yeah. Um, which may be a Hong Kong production. Um, yeah, I think it was a Hong Kong production, um, that, yeah, Paradox has, has some really fun stuff. Um, uh, Avengement is one with, with Scott Adkins that's pretty fun and real nasty. Have you, have you guys seen any, like, Scott Adkins? No, I mean, the only thing that I know about Scott Adkins, I think, is, um, didn't, I think that he had, didn't he have something to do with, Universal Soldier Day of Reckoning. Yeah, is he yeah. the star of that? Yeah, he's been in, yeah he's I love I love Day of Reckoning, but I, I haven't seen anything else. 
Yeah, it would be worth looking f for him uh, because he sort of ends up being the, the go-to guy for a lot of these um, direct-to-video action movies. And they are, like, they are throwbacks a lot of times. Like, they do sort of conjure the 90s. Uh, sort of style of things. Well, guys, I think that we've uh, we've talked about double impact uh, quite <laughs> quite enough, amongst other things. Is there anything that anybody would like to add before we, we wrap it up? Not a goddamn thing. Not a goddamn thing. Yeah, I, um, I think we pretty much exhausted all possible things to talk about. <laughs> with double impact. <laughs>